Welcome to the Washington Union Alliance Church Podcast, an archive of our recorded sermons. We're a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church located in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. For more information, go to wuac.org. I would like to begin the conversation around life's transitions, finding and identifying God in the gaps, God in the gaps. There's inevitably a season of transition upcoming for each of us, irregardless of the church. Maybe for you personally, there's a season of transition coming. And I might just say that the Bible's got a lot to say about where to find and how God deepens us in these seasons of gaps and transitions. And for all of you, for all of us, for me as well, it's the body of Christ. It's a time of deepening a prayer life, a deepening of faith, and to time to, uh, to, to deepen our commitment to each other and to the Lord in this season. It's a time to do that. And God knew about this transition before the foundation of the world. God's got this mapped out. And when this happened, there were no angels scurrying around the gates of heaven. There were no alarm bells going off in the gates of heaven. There was no panic. God's got the next chapter of our lives of this church already written and to be expectant and excited about what is going to unfold. And I'll be sharing my own personal thoughts as it relates uh, to my final few weeks with you, but I'm praying for you to be strong and courageous, to be the church in these kinds of moments, and to lean in and to, to be the church who God has uniquely called you to be to be the kind of people committed to Jesus, to lean into each other in this season. This is a strong church. There are wonderful, God-fearing people who call this place home. So as I sort of even reflect on my own personal journey, I would like to say, and even now, as I reflect on this own journey in my own life and where life has taken me, I would just like to impart God's word on some of these hinge moments, and so to speak, and how the God has used these moments for his glory and his purposes for these moments together. You see, these are hinge moments. These are places when something is going to change in our lives. This is something in our lives, whether we like it or not, something's going to change in our lives. And what follows will depend on the decisions that we make and the actions that we take based on those decisions. Periods of transitions are predictable in their arrival, but you plan, you plan to ask a certain someone to marry you. You plan for months, even years in advance, and you start to plan your future as you exit high school and college or even in the next season of life as well. Significant moments of planning, and we do really well. We try to plan out things really, really well, and oftentimes they do not go as we anticipated or expected it to be. They end up going. They will not end up or end up thinking where we'll be after that, more often than not, and will not end up doing or thinking where we'll be because of those planned things in the moments in the past. Here's, here's what we need to know. Here's all of us, including me. We have to know this promise. Hold tight to this. If you don't listen to anything else, just get this today. We are promised over and over again that there is one who holds the future. We find across the scriptures that there are moments in time where people are called to step out and step boldly into the unknown by faith that God was going to take care of them and to continue to unfold the plan that he had for their lives. This was and only by God's amazing grace and mercy. But this faith and exercising faith and stepping out into the unknown, it's all over the Bible. People from all over the Bible exercise faith in amazing ways and in circumstances that God uses people who are in these particular moments and seasons as an exercise in trust. It stretches our trust and our faith. In Genesis 12, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your 
father's household to the land that I will show you. Not even, there's not even a name of this land. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who curse you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And for Abraham, he just says, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. There's no mention there of a place. Simply put, God was calling him to trust him to the place that hadn't been fully quite realized yet. And Abraham had become a leader of this nation called the Israelites, and he had never, he had never been to this land before, and yet God was calling him to go there. Wasn't a lot of information. Just go to the land I'll show you. Simply go and I'll lead you. And Abraham did exactly what God had asked him to do. Hebrews 11.1 reminds us, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Hebrews 11 is this wonderful chapter in the Bible of all about the hall of faith, all about the people in the Bible who were commended for their faith who were commended by God for their faith. And it's a great chapter. Read through it, a bunch of names, but it reminds us that God commends great faith. And highly recommend going through it if you haven't been through it or unfamiliar with it. But in verse 8, we get to Abraham in that chapter. By faith, Abraham, when called to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, Abraham, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs of him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is who? God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and as he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. You see, Abraham obeyed and he went. And oftentimes it's just simply taking your next right step with God, not fully having the next chapter already completely mapped out, but just taking your next right step with God. In the Old Testament, there's this great story of Joshua. God had used Moses to lead the people through the wilderness and through this journey of 40 years, and it gets to the point where Moses dies, and then a young leader named Joshua comes on the scene, and he's crowned the leader of God's people. And God hammers home three times, be strong and courageous in, the first, in that first portion. And notice how it happens. Joshua 1, verses nine, 7 through 9. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the, the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from the right or to the left so that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. You see, simply put, church, this promises of God that he's going to be with us and guide us, and that will be enough because he is enough for us. His presence is more than enough in our lives. In our circumstances, he will see us through. He will see you through. And it wouldn't be Joshua's strength leading that group of people into the promised land. It would be because he would absolutely trust in God. God was his source of his strength, his source of strength and trust, not his own doing. You see, sometimes we let fear steal our future. Don't let fear steal your future. There's this poignant story of reflecting the anticipation phase of transition. And as the Hebrew people were approaching the promised land, 
Moses sent 12 operatives to spy out the land and scout it out. They were hopeful, but they were also very nervous as well. So Numbers chapter 13, if you want to follow along in the Bible in front of you, it's on page 104 of that Bible in front of you. It's going to be on the screen behind me as well. And so if you're visiting with us, uh, we're glad that you're here. But we at this church value the preaching and teaching of the scriptures. And I pray that you would find a church that does the same thing, preaches and teaches the scriptures faithfully. We're going to kind of go through a, a different sections of 13. So we're going to read verses 1 through 3 and then 17 to 20. Uh, and then kind of jump here for a little bit. So page 104 on the screen behind me, starting in verse 1 of chapter 13. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. And jumping to verse 17. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev and go on to the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? What kinds of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or, or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring some of the fruit of, back to the land. It was, this season, it was the season for the first ripe of grapes. The goal of the mission was clear. God had already told them that they were going to go inherit the land, but the decision had already been made that they got to go scope it out. They have to go scope out the possibilities. Would there be good soil in which the, to grow food in the land? Did they need a plan of attack, or could they just waltz into this new land and take over the place? Most of the spies returned with a frightening picture in verse 25. At the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. And they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole desert community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. They, they reported to them to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. And they gave Moses this account. We went to the land and it does show, it does, the land in which he sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. When you get to the Bible, you sometimes see these conjunctions and it says, but the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and are very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. Ten of the spies reported that the, that the people currently guarding the promised land were giants compared to the Hebrews. And fear spread throughout the nation. Only Joshua and Caleb stuck with the plan, assuring the people that the Lord would be with them and that would give them victory over the giants. The people grumbled against Moses, and their fears were intensified. And because of their lack of faith, the Lord barred them from entering the promised land for another 40 years because fear had stolen their future. That move was already happening. Why did the 10 spies spend so much money thinking reasons to turn around? I mean, think, spending all their time to spend thinking about time to turn around when the, promise, the land was promised for them in the future. It was prudent to find out where the food and the land grew and where the inhabitants were located. But there was no reason to invent stories of giants trying to scare everyone back to Egypt. Michael Lindsay says this about this passage. When you scout out a plan of action for your transition somewhere, focus on the milk and honey rather than the supposed giants. There may be giants, but that does not mean that they're going to defeat you. And they certainly should not dissuade you from following the Lord's leading. There is no one on earth who could subvert the call of God. 
And maybe those giants are the unknowns, the uncertainty, the details. But take heart that there's really good things coming down the pike for you if we zero in on the milk and honey of where life may take us. And ultimately, even in the, in the seasons of transition, life is a series of responding to a series of hinge moments. I mean, the goal of the Christian life is being transformed. We respond to all the time seasons of hinge moments. I mean, we think of Joseph, right? Joseph from Genesis. Joseph had no idea the journey he would eventually take as he taunted his brothers about his father's affection and the special coat that he had on. And as he was sold into slavery, he had no premonition that this would become the means by which he would eventually rise to be a trusted advisor to to Pharaoh, but only after he rebuffed the advances of Potiphar's wife and ended up being falsely imprisoned. And at the end of the story, Joseph harbors no ill will toward his brothers or resentment that he undertook. Reminded of this in Genesis 50, you intended to harm me, tells his brothers. Love that conjunction here. But God intended it for good. We learn and grow through each of these hinge moments is a key to a good end. And as we learn and grow through them, it's always a key to a good end. As Romans 12 reminds us this, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living what? Sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. We do know this, that nobody can adequately or appropriately predict and line up perfectly the future that God has designed for each and every single one of us. But I commonly am reminded of this, that if we had the entirety of the future planned out, or if we had this crystal ball, where would the necessity be for faith to begin with? And in life's transitions and unknown seasons, be faithful to God. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Trust in God's plan for your life. Lean into others and to godly wisdom. We're reminded in Proverbs 3, to trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will keep your paths straight. Thomas Lake, he's a relatively unassuming homeschool son of a pastor. He, along with five siblings, spent part of his childhood in a small town in Georgia. Anyone standing by the edge, by the end of the day of his birth, trying to guess where his life would take him, would have guessed wrong. Over the years, he developed a passion for the written word and telling stories as well. And through school newspapers and other outlets, he honed his ability to write well and to communicate in a way that gripped the hearts and minds of the readers by the ripe old age of 30. <laughs> when many people are just starting their career, he was named a senior writer for Sports Illustrated and was hailed by many as best sports writer in the United States. And he won the Henry Luce Award for the most outstanding story of 2009 across all publications for his first magazine story. And then his essay, The Boy That Couldn't Kill, was named one of the best 60 features in the story of Sports Illustrated. And by 2016, he was working for CNN, digital championing their coverage for the presidential race, authorizing the, authoring the unprecedented election that changed everything. And today, he's one of the premier young journalists in the United States, one of the few remaining masters of long-form journalism. 
But few would have predicted this story and his journey from reading the encyclopedia with his brother but a pastor's son family and his family's church involvement and his time at Gordon College and beyond. It was never exactly clear where God was taking him, but just taking him the next right step with God. You see, the imperceptibility of our future paths shrouds our lives often in a fog, and it's natural for that to feel scary, even ominous at times. But the clear message that is spoken to so many people in the Bible, and I pray that it would be imprinted on your life today and your heart and mind today, do not be afraid rings true for all of us here as well. The Lord walks beside us in the high and low points of our journey, and it is at this very moment He is preparing something for us and preparing us for something really well. You see, every new threshold in life presents us with the chance to pass into new territory, to pave new paths, and to venture out into new territories. We are cognizant as people of faith of the one who holds the future. And this church and its people have plenty of possibilities ahead of it. Amen. Amen. Worship team, will you come up as we sing a um, fitting song as we close today? just want you to grasp the words of this song, if you would. It's a reminder for us as a church, but as people of faith, to hang on to Jesus and how good it is to trust in him. Why don't you stand with us, and I'm going to pray before we, before we sing.